0: lord jesus we have said that in this series we want to pay attention to what you say we want to hear your voice in all the other voices around us so please would you speak to us this morning we pray through your word amen So this week I heard some rather upsetting, personally upsetting news, which was that somebody I have known for most of my adult life, someone I have respected and liked, someone who has helped other people grow as Christians, be Christians, who has encouraged new churches to start, someone I've known for most of my adult life as a mature Christian, it turns out has been having an affair for 17 of those years. Somehow or other, he has managed to disconnect what he believes from how he behaves. And it's sort of a little train in my mind. What do you have to say to yourself to allow yourself to do things which violate what you actually say you believe? Somehow he has managed to separate out his theory from his practice and just be different. He's managed to downplay his behavior, his his beliefs, in order to amplify his behavior. There is actually one key Christian truth which I think explains all these sorts of things. Some parts of our Christian truth people like. If you talk about loving your neighbor or being generous, everybody's going to cheer, cheer that. Other parts of our Christian message, we're really tempted to downplay because they're awkward and they're embarrassing. And a really good example of that is what Jesus is talking about in this reading here, which is his return as Savior and Judge. And if you talk about that in the staff room at work, you will be thought of as a crank and arguably dangerous. But if you ever wonder why good Christians go off the rails, if you ever fear for yourself that you might go off the rails, today, if we pay attention, Jesus has the answer and Jesus has the explanation and he has the remedy. But if we embrace it, we have to run the risks of being thought cranks in the staff room. Okay? Here's where we're heading. And if you heard Michael reading, you've probably got some idea of where we're going. Jesus says this, history will end on the day that he returns. And he warns us that this will happen, despite the fact that there will be a delay. He warns us that on that day, he will be our judge And he tells us what he will judge. And he tells us what he will reward. So there are no surprises. He's been quite open about this. And he warns us that this will happen unexpectedly. And his followers should live as if it might happen this afternoon. Now, let's slow down. Let's take this, have it open in front of you to check that uh, we're not missing stuff out or getting things out of focus. This section is sober and serious. I have a little thing that I check when, I, when I'm getting a message ready. And I, and I always say to myself, is this funny enough? Uh, the, this section doesn't really... No, I'm, I, I cut the jokes, okay? I cut the jokes. Here is the key idea. Verse 35 and 36. Page 1045. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. That's the headline. Background image is very clear. You've got servants waiting for the employer to return from a wedding. There a couple of other very similar parables that Jesus says. <laughs> Don't be distracted by those for the moment. Keep your eyes on this one. The important thing is that the master is due to arrive home and he wants the servants to be ready, the servants to be prepared for his return. No burglar alarms in those days, so they have to be around to make sure that even in a darkened house, no burglars are going to come. There's no electric light, so the moment he gets back home again, they're to light their torches and get ready and fresh food and all those sorts of things, fresh clothes, they're supposed to spring into action. They're ready. Whatever time it happens, half past four in the morning, they're supposed to be ready. So a key idea, servants ready for their master's return, or to decode it, Christians to be ready for Jesus' return. Which is where this story takes an unexpected turn. There's a, there's a phrase that's, that comes up a couple of times. You see it in verse 37, it will be good. And verse 38, it will be good. Something positive is going to happen. And of course, they're warned that there will be a delay. Look again at verse 38. Even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. Do you find that encouraging? Something positive is going to happen even if there's a delay? I do. You see, way back, when, pretty much when this was written, when Luke was written, There were people already mocking the idea that Jesus was going to return. Where is, you can find this in 2 Peter, where is this coming, he promised? Everything goes on like it did before. And in the 21st century, you find people still even more skeptical, thinking that we are, that Jesus was mistaken. But Jesus warned us there will be a delay. There will be a delay of an unspecified length And that the appropriate response to the delay is, verse 35, to be dressed and ready. Verse 37, watching. Verse 38, ready. Delay, but be ready. We have seen an example of this over the past uh, four or five weeks. I promise you this is going to be the last time I use this kind of thing. But when we had in the church files a file called London Bridge, which was to do with the Queen's death. We just weren't allowed to say that because that's treason. And what was obvious as the funeral happened is that loads of organizations had the equivalent file. It had been prepared. I was hearing from somebody saying that one of the pieces of music uh, at the funeral had been 10 years sitting in a folder waiting to be used for the first time. So there was a plan which would happen at some point. We just didn't know when. But when it happened, it would all click into place. Everybody was ready when it happened. And that's what Jesus says. His return is delayed. Well, it's not delayed from his side. It's delayed from our side. But it's definite. It'll happen. So be as ready as we were for the queen's funeral. Now, I said that Jesus, what Jesus says here, took an unexpected turn. Let me show you what I mean by that. You expect the master to come home, and well, what would you expect happen? The master to say, take my shoes, take my clothes, where's my food, bring me supper, get the bed ready. I mean, I've never had servants, but it's what I imagine Henry VIII to do, or something, you know, the Sheriff of Nottingham, that kind of thing. You expect them to do. And this, of course, was a society built on not just servants, but slaves. They knew their place. They knew what they had to do. Now watch what Jesus says, verse 37. Truly I tell you, the master will dress himself to serve, will make them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. The master and the servants swap places. Just imagine how, how that played out amongst Jesus' hearers. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that astonishing? Isn't that unexpected? That is what the Bible means by grace. The master says, let me take your coat. Put your feet up. You must be exhausted. You've been waiting for ages. Let me bring you dinner. That's That's Jesus speaking to his faithful servants. That's Jesus speaking to you. This is the same Jesus who said, I'm going to wash your feet. And if I don't wash your feet, they'll never get clean. Same Jesus who said, who says, as we will celebrate today, feed on me, feast on me. This is the Jesus who says, I will give you rest. Jesus is the Lord, who is our servant. Then it shifts, verse 39, it shifts from a banquet to a burglary. Understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Jesus' return is delayed, but not cancelled. And when it happens, it'll be sudden and unexpected for many. It'll be shocking, because people will be unprepared. So, here is our first big set of ideas. We have been warned by Jesus that history will end. And it will end with his personal return. There will be from our side a delay, but it is definite, it will be sudden, and we should be ready. Now, pause for a moment. That is not a very 21st century thought, is it? If you said at work, Jesus loves you, you might get a patronizing smile. If you said, can I pray for you? They might say thank you, or you might think very carefully before you made that offer. If you said, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, they would say, I'm very pleased for you. I wish I had your faith. But this is an idea that gets you noticed. History will end with the return of Jesus Christ. We'll celebrate that in a few moments' time with the Lord's Supper. Jesus said, you do this until he comes again. And everyone, Christian or non-Christian, will give an account. Liz Truss, Vladimir Putin, Muhammad, Alexander the Great. They will give an account to him for their faith or lack of faith in him. And that is the Christian truth straight from the lips of Jesus. Let me tell you, friends, in some ways, this is the most distinctive Christian truth. Or at least, it's the truth on which everything else hangs. Because if Jesus is not going to return to judge, he does not need to die as our saviour. We can all just sort of jolly along together and be nice to each other. If Jesus is not going to return as judge for everybody, we don't need to bother with the difficult business of telling our friends and family about Jesus. We, we can just let that pass by us. But if this is true, and Jesus says it is true, everything else hangs on it, which is why taking it away makes the Christian faith fall apart. So, don't answer me, but just process in your brain. How do you feel about that truth being true for everyone? Do you wish we could keep quiet about it? Do you think maybe this is just true for Christians, but not true for everybody? Maybe it's just for, for a second? Very good question. You know it's a good question because somebody in the Bible passage asks it. Look at verse 41. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us? Or to everyone? Is it just for the disciples? Is it just for Christians? Is it just for people around Jesus? Is it true for us perhaps, but not for our our secular colleagues? Well, Jesus gives an answer. It's a direct question. He doesn't answer it directly. He He goes around the houses to get there, but he does get there. He starts off with a familiar phrase. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good. Remember that phrase? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. The master's gone away. The servant has a task, feeding, looking after the household. And that servant is expected to be, verse 42, faithful and wise. That's the role. Let's pause and decode that. Who is Jesus talking about? Still Peter's question, isn't it? Us or others? Possibly, possibly it's all Christians. We're facing an unbelieving world. God expects us to be loving and generous, to share with our lives and with our words. I wonder, though, and this makes me feel awkward, if there isn't a tightening of focus here. This is for Christians in responsible positions. Christians maybe who are leading promised land or who are leading pastorates. Maybe you lead a Bible study at work. Maybe some of us here are full-time in Christian work. Maybe it's particularly got Mark and me in the spotlight Why is this important? Because the stakes are so high. I'm going to give you a warning. In a few moments' time, we're going to be talking about what we today would call abuse. And if that's something where you need to tune out for a little bit because of you, that's absolutely fine as well. Before we get there, look at verse 44. Truly I tell you, he will put this faithful steward in charge of all his possessions. That's the reward again for his faithful ones. In verse 37, Jesus rewarded his servants with rest. Here he rewards his servants with responsibility. Both go together. Leave the reward, though, because the rest of our section is not about the reward. It's about the punishment. And principally, it's a punishment of abuse of Christians by Christians. Look at verse 45. But suppose the servant says to himself, My master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he doesn't expect him, at an hour when he does, he's not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him with a place with the unbelievers. You see the sequence? This Christian, this worker, this servant, this believer, this disciple starts to see some wiggle room in the delay. The pause means there's an opportunity and an opportunity for sin, stuff that this servant can get away with. And let's stare straight down the barrel at this, and it really is not pretty, but Jesus gives us the language, that over the last 2,000 years, Christian churches have seen and see a ton of abuse. Now, I hate pointing fingers, so I'm going to keep the focus reasonably tight on us as members of the Church of England, We're we're a big target in the Church of England, and all sorts of things are true and have been true. But undoubtedly, this is part of our reality and story. Earlier this year, a senior official in our diocese was arrested by the police for fraud. Five million pounds. Five million pounds of gospel money taken by an individual. How do you justify that? How do you get your brain in the place where you think you can get away with it? By taking the route that Jesus says here, you forget that Jesus will return and hold you accountable. This week, there was a big report came out called the Past Cases Review. It's part two of looking back and being horribly honest, but properly honest, about abuse in the Church of England. 385 past cases were looked at. Sexual abuse, physical abuse, on vulnerable adults and on children. They are all being dealt with. They are all being processed and handled properly. But how do you justify to yourself Getting away with that kind of thing. You have to say something like, Jesus didn't really mean it. I'm an exception. No one will notice. And the news from Luke chapter 12 is that Jesus did mean it. There are no exceptions, and he does, and he will notice, and he does, and he will punishment. I said I fear, I worry for myself, that there's a focus here on Christian leaders who are violent, vicious, and greedy. But it can go wider too, can't it? It could be for all Christians. Abusive men, abusive women, people who steal, people who bully. We're all here in the frame. And verse 46 says very clearly to someone who is that kind of abuser... Do not think you will escape. And he says very clearly to the victim do not think you've been ignored. I wonder who here needs to hear one of those two messages. It's as true for the thief as it is for the person who's been defrauded, as true for the glutton as it is for the poor. Jesus notices you, and he will reward, and he will judge. And Jesus' climax is very serious and very straight. Verse 47. (coughs) The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready, does not do what the master wants, will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. From the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Parallel's the reward section, doesn't it? Those who've been good and faithful are given rest and responsibility. The violent and the abusive are punished. And it's more than a hint that increased faithfulness will mean increased reward. And it's certainly clear that increased knowledge means, well, if increased knowledge goes along with increased abuse, that's increased punishment, isn't it? which should make people like me feel very uneasy because someone like me has been entrusted with a lot of knowledge and a lot of responsibility. I've been set apart to read and to think and to pray and to study. And that final sentence, to whom who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked, speaks to me. And I wonder if it speaks to you as well. Someone says, Chris, this sounds like it's justification by works. It sounds like you're saying, my, my life gets me right with God. I thought we believed in justification by faith. Well, yes, Jesus does say that. Belief is important. Look at verse, again at verse 46. Jesus says he will, he will cut into pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers, those who don't believe. So there you've got from Jesus, not believing is punishment, but being a wicked believer is punishment too. Our works express our faith, and abusers express what they really believe, not what they should believe. I warned you this was sober and serious stuff, didn't I? So, baby steps, baby steps. If you're a Christian and you're trying to work out how to navigate this, just remember this. When you say the Lord's Prayer like we did just now, when you pray your kingdom come, you're praying for this to happen. You're praying for Jesus to return as saviour and judge. Maybe you need something a little bit stronger. Maybe you need just to remind yourself every day to check that you are watching and that you are waiting. You're making your short-term decisions in in tune with the long-term plan of Jesus. You're taking your long-term decisions in light of the fact that Jesus might return this afternoon. And perhaps you need to ask yourself regularly Am I using Jesus' delay as an opportunity for sin? Let's be quiet for a moment. Let's process these for ourselves. Bearing in mind Jesus' return, bearing in mind his judgment the reward, and the punishment. How much have I been given? With how much have I been entrusted? And what will be expected of me? Lord Jesus, we ask you to speak to us today, and what you have said has very sharp edges. It's unmissably clear and personally very challenging. We pray that you will help us to be dressed and ready to serve, waiting and watching And Father, if there are those who are being violent bullies, who are taking advantage of your delay for sin among us, we pray that you will speak to us, call us out, and bring us back to repentance. We ask these things for your glory and our salvation. Amen.